When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This episode of The Huddle Breakdown is brought to you in association with the OneFootball app, your one-stop shop for all your football goodness. The OneFootball app is the best football app on the market right now. You can get your fixtures, your results, live scores, transfer news, squad updates, everything that you need on the team that you support is available now in the OneFootball app. The OneFootball app, you can subscribe to the team you support and all of the stuff that you need on that team is available all in the one spot and it's all completely free as well so download the one football app now using the link in the description below not only are you supporting the channel supporting the huddle breakdown you're also getting a top-notch football app as well so use the link in the description below to download the one football app now and you're welcome along to the huddle breakdown as we look back to celtics 1-1 draw against Shakhtar Donetsk in the second game of the group stages of the champions league a disappointing draw in many ways, but a good performance again from Celtic as they get their first points off this Champions League campaign and remain third in the table after RB Leipzig lost their second game to Real Madrid. Juco James and Alan Morrison are with me as always. One thing that the, you know the podcast listeners won't have heard because I'll, I'll have taken it out is the ad for the One Football app, which is the sponsor of the content across the channel uh, over the next month or so. And uh, guys, one thing that I've noticed is my background might be a little bit different to the point in time that I recorded that ad because I was outside and as many people who are watching the, the podcast on YouTube right now are, are noticing, I'm inside. What, what's going on? <laughs> it's a mystery to me. I, 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 I couldn't track your movements after the first three months I gave up. Because <laughs> it was just too time consuming. <laughs> I, I just, I just want, spreadsheets of all your movements. And I, I just, it's, too, it's too much. <laughs> I, I just want to know, has your relationship survived or has she wisened up? Well, I'm currently sitting in her sitting room, so it's, uh, uh, it's, still, it's still at that point. So it's still it's still healthy enough. And um, for those of you who don't have any clue what we're talking about, I'm back at home. So we will be back to somewhat regular schedules over the next couple of weeks or so as I bed my way back in 
to real life, uh, so to speak. Uh, thanks to everyone who is watching live on YouTube, especially Lemmy Lemmy, who says that it's uh, 2 a.m. in Australia. So if you're watching from Australia, <laughs> fair play to you. I don't know why you're doing that, but you can get it afterwards, but fair play to you regardless. Uh, thanks for joining us as we look back on Celtic Straw against Shakhtar Donetsk in the Champions League. Uh, first point for Celtic on the table, and just to run you through some of the stats because I've actually had a chance to do a bit of prep before this uh, show. Celtic were, in fact, the dominant team, as was reflected in the stats. Expected goals on FOTMOB is 1.48 to uh, 0.38 to Shakhtar Donetsk. So Celtic were the dominant teams in terms of expected goals. And when it came to shots, Celtic 16 to 5, shots on tar- off target 6 to 0, shots on target 6 to 2. Celtic were really the dominant team in this game. And I know, uh, Alan, you brought up the Sofa Score momentum shift that they do on their app. And it was pretty much all Celtic except for one period in the, in the first half after Shakhtar scored. Again, after the, after the match, Andrews asked about the performance, the result. And again, he's saying that the performance was really good. And if they keep playing this way, then they will get the re- reward. So again, I was quite annoyed watching this game. I think especially in the immediate aftermath, emotions do run high when it comes to these games. James, I was disappointed after this game. And I will explain why, because it was a good performance again, yes. And again, it's positive. Celtic are back in the Champions League after a long time. They're not getting embarrassed when it comes to the teams that are, you know, that they're playing against. They're playing their style. They're they're implementing themselves into the game. But if you're this dominant in a game, you need to win it at this level. Otherwise, you're going to end up back in the Europa League. And that's why I think I'm most disappointed is that I know that everybody's expectations have been uh, raised because of what happened over the last year and a half under Ange. And I know that you should be grateful with seeing positive performances from Celtic but I don't think Ange is going to be happy with this result because he knows that it was an opportunity miss and that for me that for me is the key phrase this was an opportunity miss for Celtic I think yeah I would probably characterize uh, my sense coming out of the game as frustratingly content if that's a thing Um, meaning that uh, it was an, an opponent given the circumstances and their style of play that I expected that we should do very well against Uh, I'm content that we actually did. So that's a good thing. Um, There weren't any kind of big surprises that came out of out of the game as far as um, purely from an analytical perspective. Um, Frustrating because we didn't get uh, three points out of it and, you know, kind of the balance of play. We probably deserved it. Um, I think saying that we were dominant probably overstates it a little bit. I think we were definitely uh, we controlled the game. We definitely created a lot more chances, um, you know. So I, I think it tilted towards we were in control, but a dominance probably too strong of a word for my my liking. Um, but you know, again, within the broader context, we're in the Champions League playing a reasonably quality side, kind of on the road. I mean, if you want to call it, and again, the circumstances are a little weird, but um, it wasn't at Celtic Park. So when you throw all that into the mix and you get this kind of performance, I think that's, you know, it'd be ridiculous to try to characterize it as anything other than quality. Um, But for me, it was kind of an expected quality, which again, that's the contentness. And, um, you know, we'll talk about what it might mean going forward, but, you know, it, it was heartening that we 
basically delivered on what we probably should have going into it. Um, but ultimately frustrating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, that's the thing. It's, it's difficult for, for me as a Celtic fan who watched Celtic two years ago under Neil Lennon and that capitulation and how bad they were and sort of reconciling how far they have come to the per- to the point where I was disappointed with getting a draw in the Champions League, even though it looked improbable that Celtic would be back in the Champions League in, in such a short period of time. But I think that's the expectations that comes with playing Champions League football is that if you switch off for five, 10 minutes, you're probably going to get punished. If you don't take your chances, you're probably not going to win the game. And I think that's the missing piece for Celtic at the minute is that they are switching off for 10 minutes. They are uh, failing to convert good chances against good opposition who, you know, aren't going to just sit down and you will eventually grind them down. This is going to be a long slog for Celtic in terms of readjusting to Champions League mode after so long away from it. Uh, Alan, I know you had an event on, so you didn't get to catch the game live, but you've you've looked back at, at a good bit of it. Um, in terms of the way that Celtic play, they are playing their game. So that's one positive you can definitely take from it. Um, but there was a period where Shakhtar got on top in the first half after they had scored. But before that is kind of the key part of the game for me, before they got that goal, because it felt as though Celtic went 1-0 up and maybe it was down to, you know, the issues that they had last week with fitness levels against Real Madrid that they kind of died off after 60 minutes. 60 minutes, maybe the players had that in their head and wanted to conserve energy a little bit with their pressing. But it seemed like Celtic, to rob a phrase from mainstream TV, it felt like they took their foot off the gas a bit. It felt like they stopped playing their own game. And that's, for me, is is what mo- was most disappointing with letting Shakhtar scores was that it felt entirely preventable if Celtic had continued to play the way that they started the game. Yeah, so I kind of felt the same as how I think the manager felt. Um, I mean, he was spectacularly grumpy after the game. I mean, quite quite amazingly so. Um, and I think that came from a good performance mixed with a, a result that the performance he felt probably didn't didn't merit. And if you do that at this level, you're not going to get very far. That is the sad reality of it. It's just a brutal competition. And if you don't take your chances, which we're now talking about not taking your chances for two games in a row now, uh, we actually matched almost precisely the XG from the Real Madrid game. So, so you know, and away from home in Europe, that's good. Um, you know, again, we had eight shots inside the box in central positions and didn't score any of them. Uh, they didn't have a single one in, from that position. You know, and so... I think I think that's why the manager was frustrated. I suspect what he was saying in private was different to what he said in public, which was to defend the players and praise the performance. And it's the sort of classic, you know, Alex Ferguson playbook of of, of uh, kind of team management, really, in, in that respect. All that being said, there are clearly positives, and also, again, I'll, I'll come back to the need to be patient because. This is a really, really tough competition, and it's, it's blindingly it should be blindingly obvious to everybody. And so, although we're all frustrated, this is for a start a very young, young team, and also a team that is going to have to learn how to uh, adapt to playing all the different, you know, conditions, situations, scenarios that crop up in these games, which are many and different. Um, 
you know, for, you know, the the, the 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 you mentioned the momentum bar. That was actually quite interesting because it was just absolutely crazy in the first ten minutes in terms of Celtic's dominance. Celtic won the ball back, or should I say, um, Shakhtar lost possession in their own defensive third six times in the first ten minutes of the game. Um, you know, Real Madrid. We forced Real Madrid to turn to cough up the ball in their own final third six times in the first half, which I just suspect they don't do very often at all. Um, but then, like you say, we just seem to, having scored, I don't think we then knew how to manage the game. I don't think we knew how to find the balance between continuing to press super aggressively as we had done and continue to throw people forward, high verticality of passing, uh, or, or, whether, or whether actually just ease back and not, not die on our feet like you say, like we did against Madrid. And I don't think we got the balance right. And this is all part of the learning curve and of the of the experience that's needed at this level. So, you know, just think back through, you know, some of the really good Champions League teams over the last 20 years. Um, you know, think how long it took Alex Ferguson, we've mentioned Alex Ferguson, think how long it took Manchester United to actually, you know, easily the best team in England for 15 years. Uh, it took them a long time to actually find their feet in the Champions League. Manchester City still haven't found, you know, still haven't won it with all the millions and billions thrown at it. And actually, they took years to even be able to get out. The, and sometimes they weren't even getting out of the group stage. Um, Paris Saint-Germain, another example. I know they've got probably a, a, a bit of a badly run club. Another good example I go back to is the you know people uh, old enough to remember an absolutely s- uh, superb Olympic Lyon side from the early you know the early part of the the, the century. Um, it took them three years. They, they, they won the French title, I think, about 10 or 11 times in a row. It took them three years to learn how to get out of the group stages. And then, and then for nine years in a row, they always got out of the group stages and they usually got to the quarterfinals or even the semifinals. But that team had to grow and learn how to you know, deal with all the different situations. So I think we have to be really, really patient. I mean, we again, you go back to the Postacoglu interview that he gave for Open Goal where he said, you know what we want is this team to be a consistent Champions League performing team, and he he also said it may be it may be after I've gone that they that they do that. And I don't think he was alluding to running off to Brighton or anything like that. I think he just recognised that it can take years to build up the the nous and the game intelligence uh, to actually you know compete and 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 turn draws into wins. Um, you know in games like games like this. So I don't think we can be overcritical of the team for. Th- after two games, um, and I don't, but you know, I, I think it's right to be frustrated because clearly the game was there to be won. So they were clearly the better side, and it is very frustrating. It really is because a win, a win yesterday would have pretty much, I think, guaranteed um, you know European football after after Christmas of, of some sort, and that may that may still manifest itself. So I think it, I think I would focus on the game management. Uh, I would focus on how long it takes, and then my final point is. I made the point last week that when we drew with Madrid, that what was really so we lost to Madrid, but, but what was really significant was that the very experienced players, Hart, McGregor, um, Juranovic, experienced international players, all played really strong games and all stood up. And then you, you look back to the goal that we conceded last night. McGregor gambles in midfield and misses the ball. Juranovic lets Madrid run off him. And the, and the shot goes through Hart 
uh, central to the goal. So that's your three most experienced players. Three things going kind of wrong in a row, and and you, you do one thing wrong, one thing wrong, and, and you concede a goal, and that's what happens at this level. And so they're, just, they're going to have to. There's, there's no there's no secret here. They're going to have to grow and and develop and mature and learn, and that's that's to me the, the main takeaway really. Mm-hmm. Just so people are aware of how the group is currently standing, uh, as you mentioned, uh, the Real Madrid game against Leipzig ended 2-0. Real Madrid are top with six points. Shakhtar are second on four points. Celtic third on one point. RB Leipzig on on the bottom of the table with zero points from two games. Uh, Celtic now have two weeks off from the Champions League. So 5th of October is the next game. That's against Leipzig away. And then that fixture is going to be reversed then. Uh, as we head into the second games uh, from the Champions League. So I've looked at the table and I know permutations are a big thing that people love to talk about every single week. But as it stands, the best case scenario for Celtic in this group is uh, that they get uh, two wins, can see them through. That's assuming the Shakhtar and Leipzig draw uh, their next game. Uh, and then uh, Shakhtar lose both their games against Real Madrid. That would leave them on six points. Uh, worst case scenario is that Shakhtar actually go and beat Leipzig again, which means Celtic would need a minimum of two wins and a draw from their final three fixtures or final four fixtures rather uh, to get a minimum of about eight or nine points to get out of this group um, or get out to the, to the last 16 um, in the Champions League. So that's sort of where the group stands after the second game of the uh, Champions League group stages. One thing that I do want to sort of tease out a little bit more before we get into the actual game itself is is what we're mentioning here. And it's something that we talk about a lot on the show is the performances and having patience and how that allows you to develop over the long course of the season. Now, one of the things that Pep Guardiola is very famous for is winning league titles, but he doesn't have as many Champions League titles to back it up. He doesn't, you know, he hasn't won a Champions League title really uh, without Messi and his team. He struggled to make that transition into knockout football in Champions League. Um, and I want to tease that out with Celtic. Obviously, they're not going to win the Champions League, but, you know, a quarterfinal would be a phenomenal result for Celtic to get to in the Champions League and the current standings of world football. When you talk about league football, performances are everything it's what we it's the bread and butter of of this show really is that if the performances are there if the benchmarks are there if the 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 underlying data is good then eventually it will come good that's the sort of belief of the xg model and and everything else that goes with it in champions league it's a little bit different i think how long do we wait for this how long do we think before the tide starts to turn in celtic's favor if they keep these level this level of performances up because you only get you only really get what eight games in the group stage. That's not really enough time for this to develop, I don't think. So there's um, the pra- we've talked about this since the show's inception. The practical reality of the disparity between sample size. I mean, if you're just talking about randomness and variance, which a lot of that enters into um, uh, such a low scoring sport when you were talking about results versus performance levels and uh, you know, in cup competitions where it's one game that's exponentially uh, more volatile. And obviously as you get down to six games in a group, it's not quite as bad, but a lot of that gets kind of um, mean reverted out to a degree over 34 or 38 game or, you know, uh, 46 game, depending on the league you're in, um, season. So, 
and I, I actually just revisited this topic heading into this game in a column I wrote um, this week about, you know, when, when you have an inherently volatile playing style, um, and and I believe um, our manager does, um, you know, you, you end up with um, more volatile results relative to the performance. And I, I want to come back to this idea that we've played well the last two games. Um, I think we played well yesterday. I think we played well for about 50 minutes against Real Madrid. But then Real Madrid slaughtered us, let's be honest. <laughs> um, and, you know, that ended up being a game that wasn't really close. Now, can you go through all kind of alternate universes where it ended up if the sequencing and we scored early and if buts and then, you know, all that stuff. But um, as I talked about last week, it ended up being about what our performance levels have been against higher tier teams. That's not Shakhtar. So Shakhtar is not that echelon. And I'm not even talking about Real Madrid, like those top five or six clubs in Europe echelon. I'm talking about getting into that next tier, whether it's, you know, a Chelsea or a Tottenham or um, Salzburg or RB Leipzig, which we're going to have coming up. So um, I, I think it's dangerous to extrapolate too much from yesterday because of the the opponent, because of the way that the opponent played and plays. I mean, they are very passive. They are very deliberate in build up. Right. They are they were. And I said this going into this group that they were kind of a dream pick for us out of that pot because of how they played above and beyond all the externalities, which, you know, obviously they, they are, are victims of. Um, but they, they they play in a way that's almost a dream for us relative to strengths and weaknesses, in my opinion. That's my analysis and was my analysis. So I think it's dangerous to extrapolate too much out of that game. Um and that we come back to this issue of, in my mind anyway, is the degree with which our playing style at this level against opponents that present really any reasonable challenge to us from a playing style perspective, which Shakhtar did not, um, how that's going to kind of play out. And I think that's where the Leipzig games are going to be, you know, really a litmus test because they present all of the problems that Shakhtar doesn't. And quite frankly, Real Madrid didn't. Uh, from a playing style perspective, I and mean, Madrid's so freaking good with how many good players they have, that's a whole different problem. Um, uh, so, you know, if, going back to the the essence of your questions in this knockout, this one or six games, when you have this kind of playing style that can be volatile at this level, and I would think I say we do, um, you know, it, it's really tough over a six game period to be able to have enough positive variance and when you're giving up at one and a half two two and a half xg to high quality opponents that have good finishers to a degree at least at least comp uh, competent to functional finishers it's just going to be tough unless you have a keeper that can stand on your head their head or you know win games like uh, Fraser Forster did um and we just we haven't seen that from Hart yet I'm not saying he can't do it but he hasn't done it yet uh, he's been competent he's been functional um, you know, he hasn't been throwing balls into the net like the prior, <laughs> keeper had at times. Um, but he also hasn't had one of those kind of performances and he really hadn't had those for the last few years in his track record heading up to it. So, you know, it, it gets really tough. And I, that's where even a team like Manchester city, where their playing style 
It does. It introduces a little more volatility because they are so attack, attack, attack. They don't control the game quite as much on the margins like a Real Madrid does. They're not that methodical control based type of strategy. Um, you introduce that volatility and just on the fine margins at this level, it can be a huge difference. So I think that's the essence of it is that volatility. And when you embrace volatility as our manager does, it, I think it presents another level of difficulty and, and, and challenge um, at this level. And I think that's, um, I think it's been proven so far at the European level. Um, and, and I think, you know, Leipzig's going to be a huge test. And it's, it's, that's, those are the two most fascinating games to me of the season, really, because um, we probably won't face anyone else that's even remotely close to them as far as this matchup kind of style. Um, so I'll stop there. Sorry. Do you want to hop in on this, Alan? Yeah, I, I, I can't disagree a little bit in the sense of, I think what one of the probably unsung successes and the reason it's unsung is because it, you, you, you think any competent manager could do this, but you're surprised how few there, there actually are, is that what's, what Celtic have done, what Postacoglu's done with Celtic, is he's almost, I'm not going to say eliminated, but he's, he's getting close to eliminating volatility in domestic performances. The performances are so consistent that, you know, I suspect we're not going to be sitting here going, oh, God, it's Livingston away. Oh, God, we've got to play on a plastic pitch. Oh, no, it's Hibs away. They're always a bit sticky. I don't think we care who we play in Scotland, home or away, whatever the surface, whatever the weather, you know, we're going to end up about plus 2xG on the opposition, <laughs> irrespective of the lineup even that we pick, right? And, and, and he did that very quickly. And he did that with a core of about 16 players last season. He's now got 22, 23 that he trusts this season. So that, to me, is demonstrable progress. It's demonstrable perform consistency, irrespective of whether you think the football has been great, the underlying performance data is consistent and the results are matching it, okay? Now, he's had 30-odd games undefeated in Scotland to, to sort of perfect, refine and, and improve, and I'm probably, there's probably more improvement to come on that. Um and as as we said, he's only going to get six six group games <laughs> with which to to do that. And and the, the and and the and the, the the difference in challenges, as James rightly said, between playing Real Madrid, Leipzig, Donetsk are just huge. You know, you know, playing whether you play Motherwell or Livingston, it's much of a muchness. But when you play Real Madrid or or, or Leipzig, it's a hell of a difference. <laughs> different challenges in different ways. Um, so very difficult to achieve the same thing. So I kind of. I, I do still agree with James that there's going to be this huge amount of volatility because that's what, but what we have seen is that we're uh, we're creating more chances than we've ever created against the better teams and a, a very small sample obviously you know, but against Madrid we created a lot of chances but we're not we've not improved defensively and our ability to keep those teams out or you know if you look back at the at the games and you know things like xG data really only got like the, the man City uh, PSG, Bayern Munich, Barcelona games under Rodgers, we're, we're conceding as much, as much XG in terms of Real Madrid game as we were in those matches. So that hadn't improved at all. But chink of light, game two, I don't think we've ever conceded less XG in a, in a group stage Champions League game than we did last night, right? Now, I know it's, you know, circumstances were not in Donetsk's favour. Obviously, they're playing in Warsaw. The side's been decimated, but they still had a team that I reckon had at least five, if not six players that absolutely 
walked it against Scotland in a World Cup qualifier for Ukraine, right? These are not bad players. These, these, these are pretty, pretty, pretty solid players. So that's another positive. I, I think it's tiny samples, but if, if, if yesterday is an indication, it means that we maintained our attacking capability in two very different against two very different opponents, and we improved massively on our defensive. You know, we 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 really did keep them at arms at arm's length, and and the, and the the fact that we kind of lost our way in the first half, and then reasserted almost complete dominance in the second, is another sign of maturity. But again, I come back to the way that they pace themselves, the, and which they'll have to. We did show that we can't just blast for fifty minutes and then die, and then lose four goals in the last twenty minutes. You you got to be able to pace the pressing. You got to be able to pace the intensity over a ninety-minute performance, and that's going to take time to perfect. And maybe we didn't get it right yesterday. Maybe we went the other way. Maybe we should have gone for the second goal, and that would have killed the game. And then you could have coasted in for forty-five minutes in the second half. All, all very easy to sit here and, and think that. But these are the. These are the these are the sort of scenarios that the manager is going to have to wrestle with in terms of how he then takes that team to the next level. And the next level is you know getting what they deserve in terms of the, the performances. But the underlying performances is what I'll always come back to, and and so far so good on that that score. I just worry that if you don't get what you deserve, you're only going one way in this competition. Yeah, I guess that's the that's the main issue with the the. Whole- Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season grab kleenex and face allergies head on selling a little or a lot shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business from the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too. Like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market whole idea of playing against these teams that 
you know, it's it's all fun and games until you actually have to do it. And look, I I do agree with you in in many aspects, especially when it comes to controlling the game. That'll come, I reckon, with experience. If you look at the team, the starting team last night, the amount of players that have actually played in the Champions League is few and far between. The amount of players that have played more than five games in the Champions League is even fewer. I think Joe Hart is probably the only player who has done that in the team. Um, so look, it'll come. Hopefully, if the performances keep continuing in the way that they do, that Celtic will get a, at least one win in this group and finish in third place and get into the Europa League. That's That, for me, is still quite a successful turnaround for Celtic over the last couple of years. If they do get third place, you know, ideally you want them to get into second place. But with the current standings of the teams, I think it's going to be really difficult. And um, one of the players that you mentioned, you mentioned the quality that Donetsk have, because I mean, it, because Celtic were so dominant, it's easy to forget that these guys do actually have some really top talent. Mudrik, who got the goal for them, he was rumored for a 27, 29 million move to Everton just before uh, the summer transfer window ended. So, and he's the guy who got the goal. He was the guy that really stood out for Donetsk as well in terms of the quality that they had. Uh, he was up against Josep Juranovic on the, he was on left wing, Juranovic obviously playing right back for Celtic. One thing that I've noticed, and maybe I'm being too harsh on him, um, maybe it's just because of the way that teams are playing against, is that there seems to be a lot of ball going in behind Juranovic. And now, but when we were previewing the Champions League, we spoke a lot about Greg Taylor and his potential athletic weaknesses. And I think, Greg Taylor's actually stepped up to the mark really, really well in the Champions League, again, progressing um, from where he was. In terms of Juranovic, I think he's been caught out a couple of times. Maybe the stats won't actually back that up. But for me, whether it's, you know, maybe it's not Jota tracking back enough, maybe it's a midfield issue. Is it a systematic sort of flaw in the way that Celtic play that we're seeing Juranovic get sort of burned for pace on the on the left wing these days, James? Or am I just imagining things a little bit? Well, first of all, I, I, I'll address something that you said, which is a, a good point, which is um, there are limitations to event data. So, uh, you know, event data is not going to pick up something like somebody getting caught wrong footed or positionally, uh, you know, falling asleep, quote unquote. Um, so, you know, that that's that's not something that's in, you know, kind of traditional event data that people are going to be uh, monitoring. Um, I, I think your broader point is, you know, it, it, it's at some point you're going to face people in the Champions League that are really good. Yeah, um, yeah. Here's here's the thing. Before before I let you go any further, I will I will put my hands up and say that Juranovic has been up against the two best players from both the teams that we've played in terms of Vinicius Junior and Mudrik. So you have to take that into context as well. So yeah, I, yeah, and, and I think overall he's been pretty good both games. Um, going up supremely. Uh, um, fast opponents who are quite good. And, um, you know, when you're playing the high line that we do, sometimes you're going to have the ball bounce the wrong way or a guy makes a good, re- I mean, that was a good pass. I mean, it was a really good read. It was a he, good- he meant that as well. That was a pass. Yeah, was a it was yeah. completely intentional and, and it was a through ball. And it was just the, you know, it's one of those ones at the Champions League level. I think you just tip your cap and say, you know, okay, you know, it happens. Um, again, I think people are a little bit out over their skis on Taylor. Um, he has played pretty well, but again, he hasn't been tested that much, meaning that I, I thought uh, Shakhtar might go at him more, and they really didn't. I mean, on a limited occasions, they did. It didn't really go well for us. I mean, Shved dribbled at him once or twice, and 
you know, beat them pretty bad. And Shred's not exactly, um, you know, lightning fast. So, and, you know, they're, I don't know what feed you guys were watching, but um, the feed that we got in the U.S. through what they call Paramount Plus, which is has the Champions League. So we don't get the European announcers. or the, I don't know if you guys saw the same um, replays as we did, but I think there's a pretty good shout. I was actually surprised that they didn't review that foul. It looked like a stonewall penalty. penalty. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he fouled the guy in the box. I, I couldn't believe that they didn't do VAR. I, mean, I was happy they didn't. Um, but it got Alan, you're on mute, I think, Alan. Sorry about that. I think I think it was a foul, but I thought the contact was outside the box. But uh, to me, he, he, he put his knee on into his back of his calf and knocked yeah, him over. Yeah, it looked quite clear actually. Yeah. yeah. So I, you know, so I, I again, I, I think he played okay, but it was another opponent that we talked about, like with Madrid with Valverde. Valverde is obviously an amazing player, but blistering pace and beating guys one on one and dribbling is not really his where he stands out so you know i i could you know see, seeing taylor go up against mudrick <laughs> or that level of guy who's just going to get the ball and go at you with pace that's where i think we're, we're more likely to see some from you know struggles with him that might even be worse than Juranovic uh with the same context so um so yeah i it, it's just i i wouldn't be too critical on Juranovic in that regard um you know, it, it, it's it's just one of those things, I think, um, that's going to be a structural vulnerability. It's the same kind of things we talked about, you know, teams that might target behind. I mean, if you remember this one, the way back machine, like Alkmaar targeted behind our center backs with long balls because Hart wasn't coming out much. And, you know, so that there's there are inherent vulnerabilities the way we play. And, you know, smart teams are going to try to target some of it. And when, when you combine inherent vulnerabilities with a guy who's probably worth 50 million, and, and receives a really good pass, then these things happen. Yeah, I wouldn't be too harsh on Joe Hart either for the goal. I The first time I saw it, I was like, oh, could he have done better? And then I, I rewatched it. It's not it ideal, but he absolutely, absolutely, he absolutely <laughs> human instinct to protect your face. I mean, he, he thumped it at him. I don't think he would have got it anyway if he got his hand up. I think he actually was just a little bit delayed in his reaction. But um, in terms of the midfield, Alan, the. Um, the weakness in terms of the counter-attack has been exposed a couple of times, especially when Cal McGregor took the risk that eventually uh, led to the goal. But in reverse, when it, when you look at the attacking play, Celtic do go through the middle quite a lot. It's why they play the uh, inverted fullbacks as well to sort of crowd the midfield and control that area. I thought Shakhtar did quite well to stop Celtic doing that Um quite as much as they would have liked to in terms of going forward with Matt O'Reilly and Hatate. Tate wasn't allowed to spray balls as much as he did potentially against Real Madrid and has done in the Scottish League as well. And and Matt O'Reilly as well has really been, I think, targeted by teams as somebody to stop um, any means necessary, you know, like crowd him out, get two to three men on him and stop him from playing balls over the top or, or down through the, the middle of the defence. Um, is that somewhere that Celtic need to look to potentially changing the play up a little bit and getting more um, sort of width in terms of their attacking play? Uh, yeah, I'm not, I guess I'm not too concerned about, you know, the creativity side of it because we're creating enough chances. We're just not finishing. It's more the, it's more the not finishing them bit I'm concerned about. We're creating, you know, two, in two games, we've had eight shots, 12 shots, 
in two games from central to the goal inside the box. So if that was like zero or two, I'd be concerned, but it isn't. Um, O'Reilly's been asked to do something a little bit different. I mean, out of possession, we seem to have this 4-4-2 shape or even 4-2-4 shape, and, and depending on how high, how, how deep, sorry, the opposition are. And we press right onto them and O'Reilly leads the press. O'Reilly's often the, the most advanced player, actually. Probably because Kyogo runs about so fast, he's, he's so quick to get back, uh, moving both directions. But so yeah, there's, is there a little bit of O'Reilly? You know, he's spending so much time in the centre forward position pressing. Then when Celtic get the ball, uh, but what you what, what, what you what we have found in the first two games is that in transition, O'Reilly's ended up getting on the ball in the ten position because he's that's that's where he was pressing from, and he's then been able to release balls very quickly and cause chaos. So I don't I don't have a problem with that. I think it's working working pretty well. And I even, and again, I've only watched back uh, from a data collection perspective of the first 30 minutes. I thought Haksibanovic had a really good 30 minutes. I don't know what he, I can't, I can't remember what he did in the last 15. I'll, maybe, he, maybe he just collapsed, but I thought, I thought he was doing pretty well. He was taking players on. He was stretching the play. You know, he had a big part to play in the goal. His timing of his pass to Hitati was perfect uh, for Celtic's goal. So, um, no, I don't have any concerns in, from an attacking perspective. I think you know the concerns are going to always be in transition, as, as James rightly rightly said. You know, there's inherent risk in the way we play. It was exposed uh, with McGregor trying to nick a ball that just you just failed to do, and that that pass, that one pass, that took out the whole midfield. All five players were then, uh, you know, in front of the ball uh, from that moment. Hatati actually. McGregor managed to fool Hatati. <laughs> if you watch it, Hatati was completely going the wrong direction uh, once McGregor had lost it. But I think he was too deep, too too far over to affect the play anyway. And then it was then a, a, an incredibly quick player against a very high line and, and a perfectly played pass. You know, Juranovic is probably the quickest player in the Celtic team. So it was a surprise to see him get burned quite so much. But you know, it, again, the timing of the pass, the timing of the run was perfect. And that's what even the lowest ranked <laughs> Champions League teams are, are able to do to you. doesn't get any easier for um, for Juranovic because he's now got two games up against uh, Nkunku of Leipzig. So that's going to be uh, that's going to be fun for him. Yeah. Um, Haksavanovic sort of reminds me of uh, Paddy McCourt in his early days of Celtic. What? You know, really exciting, <laughs> uh, re- really exciting, uh, really good dribbler. Uh, likes to take risks, but is absolutely gassed after 30 minutes. He looked off his feet <laughs> by the end of the first half. So he still has to get up to, I think he still has to get up to speed with the fitness levels of the rest of the, the Celtic panel. Um, just before we finish off with the midfield discussion, um, Aaron Moy is being mentioned a lot in the comments uh, of the YouTube stream so far. He came on as a sub and I thought he was quite, quite impressive and he has been impressive uh, since he came to Celtic in terms of the impact he has on, on the games and the control he brings, his passing range that he brings. Uh, is it time to bring Aaron Moy into the starting lineup like Aksabanovic? But I just don't see who you drop out. I mean, I, I personally think the midfield three is staying the way it is for the foreseeable future. But again, I'm, I'm open to discussion on this point. So part of the, it, it's a dual-edged sword in my mind, Part of the reason why we've been so competitive and in good the last two games is that we we haven't been perfect, but we've been really we've really cut down on the mistakes, right? And so to Alan's point, when you make a mistake like McGregor diving in, 
it just takes one or two of those in these games against this level of competition, and it's they translate into goals at a at a a, 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 a completely um, uh, alarming rate, <laughs> as we've seen over and over again in the Celtic past in Europe. Right. That's all it, that's been the meme almost of the first 10 minutes Celtic mistakes. And then we're down, particularly away in Europe. Right. I mean, it's like it's been our our, our reality for how long now. So to, to the players credit, to Ange's credit, like the quality of coaching, the effort, the intensity, um, everyone's been rowing in the same direction. It looks like we've made vast improvements in that regard. And you knew there was a butt coming if it's from coming from me. But. Neither Madrid nor Shakhtar play in a way that really um, is engineered to force mistakes and, and an, on a front foot basis, right? So they kind of sit back more and they wait for you to screw up. In particular, I mean, I, we talked about this last week. Real Madrid almost, Ancelotti said it after the end, they almost came out with a rope-a-dope strategy, right, where they were going to kind of let us blow our load in the first half and, and then uh, light us up in the second half. And – so, you know, we'll see. This is why I keep coming back to these Leipzig games. Uh, let, let me put this into context because I, I just did this comparison this morning. Leipzig playing uh, against Real Madrid in Spain um, had roughly the same number of, you know, let's call it um, defensive interactions with Real Madrid players as we did. And in, 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 in that was with... You know, they had a little more possession than we did. But, you know, is is a kind of a neighborhood apples to apples comparison. Um, but they regained the ball at twice the rate that we did. Right. Um, so and and against Shakhtar, uh, their regain rate was three times higher than our was yesterday against Shakhtar. So this is a different animal that we're going to go up against as far as how they play. This is the this is what you know, we talked about last week with Rose coming in and this, you know, Tedesco playing this kind of weird way that wasn't really in the Red Bull style. Um, so, you know, it, it, we're we're going to be confronted with a style of play with athletes that are at a level that are going to push the boundaries for us on not making mistakes, um, and that's where. You know, these two first games were matchups where that just was not really much of an issue. Um, so hopefully we are resilient. You know, it's going to be that next step in that test, in my judgment. Um, but if we end up having more of those kind of McGregor's, right, they're going to push us into stress testing our uh, ability to, 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 to not make those kind of mistakes a lot higher, I think, at a much higher degree. Uh, so hopefully we pass the test with flying collars. But we have to see that. Alan, do you want to come in on that? Yeah, I, th I think you have to recognise that the way that Leipzig will play now under Rose also has risks for them because as much as they will press Celtic, they will leave themselves open to transition uh, against them as well. And Celtic are pretty good at that. Um, you know, we've got a lot of pace up front and we've got very good passes of the ball in midfield. So, um, yeah, I think I think it'll be a you know if you remember back to the games against Le uh, Leipzig you know three four years ago wherever it was um, where we you know we lost fairly comfortably I think away but then we had that thrilling two one victory um, at Celtic Park it, you know it it could be very similar it could be very similar again 
Um, I was I didn't see the game against Madrid last night, Madrid Leipzig, but looking at the data, it looks an incredibly close game. I mean, I think both teams were under one xg, twelve shots to nine. The possession was about fifty five forty five. Um, uh, looked like Madrid maybe had not quite, you know, they, they, I don't know if they'd rested players, but certainly wasn't quite as strong a team as they put out against Celtic. Uh, obviously, Benzema's injured. Um, but you know, pretty pretty strong team nonetheless. But yeah, I, I, I'm under no illusions now. The when when the group was drawn out, I, I was actually very optimistic because you know the way that Leipzig played under Tedesco was just you know crazy. Um, but now they're on, back under Rose. They've obviously put up a good show last night. Only lost two goals in the last ten minutes. I think it's going to be back to the Leipzig that we saw a few years ago, and it's going to be a massive, massive test. But Celtic stood up to them before. Where if anything, we're even more coherent now, and so there's no reason why we can't exploit their weaknesses as well. But you've got you got to take your chances when they come. Yeah, I, it's such a such an old football cliche, but that's it. Really, is about making sure you you do take the, the those chances, especially in these sort of games. Um, in terms of Leipzig, I think it's unfortunate timing for Celtic in many ways. I said before the draw happened that I wouldn't mind Juventus and. Uh, they are tanking under Allegri, so I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm still disappointed we didn't get a, a chance to play against Juventus. But I, I, what I would say is, like many games that Celtic play against, let's say Rangers, for example, I think Celtic are so far, f- so much further down the road in their game plan, in their style of play, in the possession that they do, and the attack, and they're so much more coherent and consistent in what they do. And Leipzig just aren't quite that yet, even though Rose is going to come in and change things and improve things to, from where they were. They're not going to be quite as far down the road in what they want to do compared to what Celtic want to do. So I'm still I'm still optimistic that Celtic can at least uh, get a point against them, if not uh, beat them when it comes to the, the home game. So I still think that I'm still optimistic, cautiously optimistic that Celtic can get out of this group if, if results go its way. But I'm, I'm more pessimistic in the terms of we sort of need things to go exactly how we need them to go over the next couple of weeks um, in terms of the other results. So uh, we'll wait and see. Um, the last couple of years have, without Champions League football, have sort of weird, been weird, you know, because every game you're building up to a league game. And it's just, I don't know, it just feels weird going back to playing St. Mirren this Sunday after, after these these big games, especially with the without the game at the weekend. Um, so I guess without going too deep into the St. Mirren game, uh, is this a, is this something that Celtic are going to need to bounce back from? Do you think the players are going to be a little bit disappointed in themselves or is it business as usual? Good. I, I, who knows? I, you know, I, th- this is where, to Alan's point the um, earlier that he made, because uh, that's actually his point was part of what I wrote about this week was that how much we have dampened volatility domestically um, and, and how really extraordinary that's been. Um, so I, I don't, with our increase in depth and, you know, it seems like Kyle McGregor is never going to get a day off in his life uh, regardless of the manager, but, you know, would be a good game to play Moy and, you know, that kind of thing. So there's just ample depth of quality now relative to domestic competition that one would think that with, you know, um, competition for places and wanting to get an opportunity to put themselves on the platform in the Champions League for their careers, that players would be motivated and um, 
you know, just above and beyond being professional. So I, you know, I don't think that will be an issue of any significance. Um, and again, these underlying trends are positive enough that it, again, it really should be a game that uh, we're, we're dominant and truly dominant in a, in a domestic sense and in control of. Mm. Yeah, I think I think if we if we'd um, been playing at the weekend, I think you'd have seen a significant number of changes to the team at the weekend. But I think the way it'll go this weekend is we don't have a game now for two weeks uh, after t- after yeah, October. After, yep. So I think uh, based on how grumpy the manager was, um, <laughs> and based on the fact we don't have a, a fixture of two weeks, I think you'll see as uh, strong unless there's people carrying knocks. I think you'll see. If not the same team, as close to the same team again, pretty much. Mm-hmm. I don't think you'll see. I don't think you'll see any rotation, unless it's forced uh, on us. Yeah. Uh, to be honest, um, so, listen, St. Mirren, are, you know, they're not they're probably not the worst team uh, in the league by by you know they're a very long ball orientated side, three five two, which they've been very consistent about that three five two in all the games. So whether they fall, they're more likely to fall back into a five three two. In all honesty. Um, and you know, because otherwise they'll get ripped apart in the, in the flanks. They, you know they won three games in a row, um, including you know beat wins against Ross County and Hibs, who are both reasonable sides, and then lost three nil at St Johnson. I mean, I don't, can't remember the last time St Johnson ever scored three goals. It was probably many many years ago. <laughs> so that's a bit of bit of a weird team. Um, but as I say, I think that the, the most important thing is you know what Celtic do, and I think you'll see you'll see as close to the strongest team. Out against against them because uh, I don't think the manager will want to let up at all domestically on the back, of, mm-hmm. especially in the back of that performance. If he if he's going to be grumpy uh, dropping a points uh, on uh, Wednesday, he's going to be mega grumpy if he, if he drops any points against St Mirren. So I just think it'll be it'll be the, as strong as we go. Yeah, I think that that's the that's the main one. After watching Ange post match, it made me feel better about being frustrated because I know a lot of fans were are reluctant to be frustrated at this point in time because of how far we've come. But I think the manager's reaction tells you all you need to know about how he really felt um, about that game and how he really felt the results should have went. So I think um, we will see a little kick up the uh, backside for for this team, regardless of how how happy the fans are or not uh, with that draw in Shakhtar. Alan, before we finish up, I just want to say uh, thank you for, uh, doing the podcast on such a sad week, I know it must have been difficult for you to muster up the courage for after all the blackouts and the morning. I'm I'm just happy you took a, a break from mourning uh, Her Majesty uh, to come on the podcast and put on a brave face. So th- thank yeah, you. For I'll, that. I'll be back. I'll be back in my little sad corner in in about thirty seconds when we're done. Don't worry. Yeah, no, no TV, no radio, just sitting in silence in your in your. Oh no, I'll watch the BBC. You know, <laughs> wall to wall, wall to wall, <laughs> man, wall to wall. It's what you would have wanted. That's exactly what you would have wanted. Can I come and can I come and live in Ireland or America? I'm not too bothered where, but. Well, I'm not probably not Listen, America because you're because you're always you spend all your time shooting each other, but maybe Ireland. <laughs> we can't bloody escape it here either. Like it's, it's, you know, being made feel bad for not mourning this woman. I swear to God. Um. Anyway, that is uh, all joking aside. We will be back with the huddle breakdown again next week, looking at the the Saint Mirren game, which again it just feels feels so weird going back to 
sort of domestic football after playing Champions League football. But them's the breaks, as Boris Johnson once said. Uh, <laughs> uh, my thanks to everybody who watched on YouTube and who is listening to the podcast. If you want to get the podcast, if you're watching on YouTube, you can get it on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcast. And if you're listening to the podcast and you want to get the YouTube, it's uh, available on YouTube at Breakdown Inc. You can subscribe to the channel and get notified every time there's a new video go- that goes live. Like I said, I am back in Ireland now, so there will be more regular uh, sort of scheduling with the Huddle Breakdown, and I'll be back doing my solo videos as well on the channel over the next couple of weeks. But until then, Alan, James, thanks very much. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Take care. All right. We'll chat to you later. Good luck. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 